about you, but the last few weeks as we've gone through uh, this study of this letter that Paul wrote to the church there, uh, here in the book of Colossians, uh, I just have really, you know, enjoyed the last few weeks uh, going through this. I felt like God's done some awesome things in some people's lives that they've shared with me in and through this. Uh, but we've been focusing in on the theme here of Paul's letter. Uh, and as you read it and go through it, you can't help but notice the, the theme of the entire letter is basically this. Jesus is first, and he must be first in your life. He, he must be first uh, in our lives, not just in 2020. And that, you know, was our emphasis, you know, going into it at the first of the year that we'd put Jesus first in 2020. But not just in 2020, but in every moment of every day, Jesus is first. He must be first uh, in our lives. And so today we're closing out this series here in chapter 4. Uh, but, you know, don't be discouraged that it's over. Be thankful that we had the time together there. But I'm also looking forward to next week starting a new series with you guys that I think is going to be phenomenal. Uh, it's a series that we're calling Back to the Basics. You know, I played sports uh, as a young man. Been a, been a minute since I've done that, but played a lot of sports. And what our coach would often do is remind us and take us through drills to reteach and refocus and get back to the fundamentals, right? Because it's the fundamentals of almost everything that is important. And we can't leave the fundamentals. We can't forget about the fundamentals. And so we have to go back to those things well it's just as important for us as followers of Jesus for us as Christians to be reminded of the fundamentals of our faith and so I'm really looking forward to this next series uh, I would also encourage you to do this invite some new people to come with you all right because I believe that as we get back to the basics it's also a great opportunity for us to teach some people that may not be believers yet that may not have accepted Christ yet, to explain to them what the basics of Christianity is, what the basics of our faith is, so they can weigh it out and have an opportunity to make that decision uh, themselves. So invite someone, all right? Promise them lunch, you know, bribe them, trick them, do, do whatever it takes, but, but get them in. Tell them you're going to the lake, but stop by here on the way, you know? Uh, it's okay. Your pastor told you it was okay, so you can, you can do those things. Uh, but uh, get them here next Sunday in the weeks ahead as we uh, get back to the basics. Because here's what I know. People that are excited about something, they share that with other people, right? I mean, if somebody's excited about something, don't you usually know? Somebody gets a new grandchild, don't we usually know that? I mean, they're excited about that. They want us to be a part of it. They want us to celebrate that with them. And, and, and so here, here's what I know. We of all people ought to be the most excited people walking on the face of this earth. People ought to see that in us. They ought to see our excitement in knowing what Jesus is doing in our hearts and our lives. We, we ought to be excited about what God's doing in our church. Y'all, uh, God's done some phenomenal things in, through our church. I talk to people on a weekly basis that share with me what God's doing in their lives. God is doing some incredible things in our church, and so uh, we ought to be excited about that uh, because He is at work, and He has blessed us tremendously. And like I have said many, many times, I just don't think He's done. I don't think He's finished. 
And so invite some people. Let them know you're excited about Jesus and then invite them to come with you. Well, this morning we're going to uh, close out the series. We dig into this final chapter here in chapter 4. And so I want to pick it up in verse 2 this morning where Paul starts. He's he's beginning his conclusion uh, here to this letter in chapter 4. So let's uh, pick it up at verse 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. Paul says this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And he says also, while you're praying, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so this morning, there there are three primary things that I want us to look at today that Paul speaks to here. Uh, And the first of those is prayer. What Paul is telling them is to pray for these different things. And don't miss what Paul's asking them to pray for, which are things we should also be praying for ourselves. But the first thing we get from this is that Paul is obviously asking them to pray that he would have wisdom. Right? He's asking that, that, that they would pray that he would have wisdom, that he would have clarity in uh, what he's been called to do, that he would have a sense of direction in knowing what the future holds and, and where he should go. Paul knows that he needs wisdom and clarity and direction, don't miss this, to carry out his assignment. Right? He understands what he needs in order to be able to carry out his assignment. And we saw previously uh, in chapter 1 that he refers to this assignment, he refers to it as a commission. All right, This commission. And if he didn't carry out his commission, if he didn't carry out his assignment, then it wouldn't get done. Right? And, and we see throughout all of Paul's letters that he believes that every Christian has been given an assignment. Every follower of Jesus has been commissioned. And we talk about this a lot. We talk about we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Right? And every one of us has a role to play. We're a part of the body of Christ. We all are a part of a body. And if your part is not healthy, then it affects the entire body. And that's what Paul's saying here. All of us have an assignment. Every single one of you has a unique assignment. Every single one of you has a unique commission on your life. And every follower of Jesus has been commissioned. Now, not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it. Not everything that needs to be done has been assigned to you. Right? Uh, Something does have your name on it but it's you know not everything but one thing one us at least one assignment has been assigned specifically to you and you're responsible not only are you responsible but you're obligated to your assignment you're obligated to the commission that you've been given to fulfill that and we saw last week that scripture is clear if you're not putting jesus first if you're not working at your assignment if you're not fulfilling your assignment or your commission paul was pretty straightforward last year last week to tell us that that's wrong it's wrong in god's eyes it's wrong that if you're not doing your part and fulfilling your assignment 
Folks, can I just tell you, there are certain people in your life right now that only you could be a witness to. I couldn't do it. Many others in here couldn't do it because they don't even know that person. But God has assigned you that particular family member right now, that particular friend or that particular co-work, that only you could effectively witness to them and share with them the love of Jesus. There are people in your life that you have been assigned to share Christ with. They're your assignment. Okay, You've been given certain gifts. We've been talking about it throughout this series. You have unique gifts. You have unique talents. You have unique resources that can only be used for your assignment. That's why he created you the way he created you. That's why you work where you work. That's why you have the classes that you have at school. That's why you live where you live. Right? It's because God has equipped you and put you in a place to carry out the assignment that you have been assigned, that you have been given. So that's the first thing that Paul prays for is the wisdom and the clarity to know what that assignment is and to be able to do it. And I don't know about you, but this encourages me greatly that the Apostle Paul is asking for prayer for clarity and direction about what he's supposed to do. I mean, I mean, think about it. I'm encouraged by that because, you know, uh, a lot of the times I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, right? A lot of times I don't know which, which way is up, you know. Uh, none of y'all probably feel that way in here but me. But, you know, there, there are times when I'm like, okay, God, should, should I say this? And he'll say no, and I say it anyway, you know. Uh, but, you know, there are times when we just don't know, should, should I witness to this person? You know, should I, should, should I speak to this neighbor? You know, should I, you know, and we have a lot of questions about what we should do. You know, should I, should I volunteer in this area? Should I give to this? You know, what should I do? And so there's lots of times when we need clarity and wisdom. God had a purpose for Paul. Paul knew that. Paul knew he had assignment. And Paul prayed for wisdom to know what it was and to, and to be able to do it. All right. The second thing that we see Paul uh, asking them to pray for is this, new opportunities. Paul's saying, pray that a door might open for us. I, I love this. Now, think about it. By this time, Paul had done a lot. Paul had been on several missionary journeys up to this point. Paul had started, planted, you know, many churches up to this point. He'd, he'd been in prison. Think about it. If there was anyone who could say, I've done my part... It's Paul, right? I mean, it would be him. But here he is asking them to pray for him that new doors would be open, right? And, and so that he could do more for the kingdom of God. Because like we sang about earlier, you know, it's our breath in our lungs that he gave you, oh, by the way. And Paul knew that as long as he had breath in his lungs... The assignment wasn't done. The commission wasn't over, you know. Uh, even after all that Paul has already done in the time that he has spent in jail, uh, Paul knows there's more work to do for the kingdom because he knew that Jesus had said there was more joy in heaven over one who repents than 99 who already belong to him, you know, which meant for Paul that as long as there was breath in his body, as long as he was alive, he was going to keep searching for 
that one lost one that brought joy to Jesus when they would give their life to him. Don't miss this. Paul wasn't done, and he could never be done. And I hope you understand this morning, and we've talked about it off and on throughout this series, but we're not trying to, uh, here at Greenbrier Nazarene, we're not trying to build an empire, okay? We're not trying to build an empire here. I don't even care about being the biggest church in Greenbrier, you know, and and we're not just trying to, you know, encourage you to, to create growth and all that just for the sake of growing. Folks, here's what I believe. I believe that eternity is real. And I believe that lost people matter to God. And I believe that he's still going after the one. And he's going after that one. Think about it now. How's he going after that one? Through us. Through you. Through his church. By using us and by, don't miss this, by us being available and us being obedient. You see, the problem is in the church is there's about 10% of the people that's doing the whole assignment of the church. Well, yep, hit that toe. Wasn't going for your toe, I was going for your heart. He's going after that one through us by us being available. Can I just ask you this morning, how can... We call ourselves faithful to Jesus and that we're putting him first and yet not carry out the commission that he's called us to do. I don't think you can. I don't think we can. Because as each one of us has our own individual assignment and our own individual people and our own you know, individual things that we've been assigned and commissioned to do, he also commissioned us as a whole, as the body of Christ. Every single one of us also has a united commission, and that's to make disciples. So how could we say that we're putting Jesus first if we're not pursuing with all of our heart, soul, strength, and resources the one? that's lost so like Paul we must be praying for God to open new doors of opportunity I I would encourage you I've shared with you before I keep a prayer list on my phone as people contact me and and, and let me know about things they ask me to pray for Uh, my mind's not as sharp as most of yours and so I have to write it down and I keep a list on my phone with all those prayer requests so when I'm praying you know I know specifically how to pray in several different areas. I think this would be something great to add to our prayer list, that God would open new doors and new uh, opportunities. And, and, And don't miss where Paul's at here. Remember where he's at when he's writing this? Yeah, he's in prison, right? He's he's in jail. In in verse 3, it says he's in chains. And so don't miss what he's, he's asking them to pray for here. He's praying that his circumstances of being in jail would not be wasted, right? That God would use his chains and his imprisonment as an opportunity to witness to other people, right? He's praying that his circumstances would not be wasted because he sees his circumstances as being something that has been divinely arranged 
by God so that he could find the one, right? Because, oh, by the way, that one might be in jail. And it would only be, it would only be Paul who would be able to share with him about Jesus. And he basically is asking them to pray for strength not to waste those chains, not to waste that circumstance of him being in jail. Now, it doesn't look to me today like any of you are in jail. You're here. Some of you probably, some of you are wearing an ankle monitor. I know that. All right, I get it. Aren't you thankful they're easy to hide, easier than Paul's chains? But what if, just, I'm just kidding, I don't know anybody wearing an ankle monitor, and if you are, I don't know it, all right, so don't be offended. But what if we saw our chains, what if we saw our challenges, what if we saw our valleys, what if we saw our situations and our circumstances that may not be so great right now, what if we saw those things the same way that Paul did? I may be in the valley, but could it be that I'm in the valley because the one is also in the valley? And I might be the only one that could find them there in that dark spot, in that dark place. You know, that regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, that you would begin to see that maybe as an, a, a divine appointment, a divine assignment that you might be in the only situation and the only place where that assignment could be carried out or fulfilled? That your circumstance or your situation, and though it may not be great and it may actually be crummy, that there might be something that God's wanting to do in and through that to reach the one, to carry out the gospel message of Jesus Christ in that? You see, that's the promise of being a follower of Jesus. It's not that everything's going to be all hunky-dory and happy and roses all the time, right? It's not that. All things in your life may not and will not be easy, but God can and use them for His kingdom. He says, I will work all things together for good for those who love Him, right? It's His promise. It's His word. And so we look for Him in those situations, in those circumstances. I can't tell you the number of times I've walked in a hospital room where a family has just totally been knocked off their feet. Unexpected news, unexpected situation, unexpected diagnosis. And, and they, don't know which, you know, they don't know which way to turn, they don't know what to do, and, and they're caught up in all of this. Walk in a funeral home. Someone's just lost a loved one, and now they've got all of this to prepare and work through and all that. And that's what we're here for. We're here to help people through those times and those situations, right? But I will tell people over and over and over again, in this, even in this, as bad as it may hurt, as bad as it may be, here's what I want you to do. Look for God. Look for what He's doing. And it may be hard to look for God because right now you may be mad at God. But you look for Him at work. Because He says, for those who love me, I'm going to work this together for good. And you know what? You may not see it tomorrow. But years later, you're probably going to look back at this and go, I saw what God did there. 
I saw what God did in that circumstance or in that situation. God can and will use all things for His glory and for His kingdom and to advance the gospel. Maybe you're sick. You know, maybe you are here and you're just living in pain. I'm talking about physical pain. And you endure that daily. Maybe God wants to demonstrate through your sickness. Maybe God wants to demonstrate through the pain that you're going through that as a follower of Christ, your hope isn't in your health. Right? Your hope isn't in your physical condition. Maybe there's some people around you that need to see in your sickness and in your pain that your hope is not in the things of this world, but your hope is in Jesus. Because I promise you, people can see, people can tell where your hope is and whether you have hope or whether you're hopeless. And so maybe in your sickness, maybe in your pain, it's just an opportunity for you to show others that your hope is in Him and not a physical body or, or health. Maybe you're here this morning you didn't get the job. Maybe you didn't make the team. I've been there, right? Yeah, I played a lot of sports, but there was a time as I got older and was getting up uh, to high school that, you know, the, the teams became smaller. And when you go to Conway, you better be able to jump a whole lot higher than I can jump and run a whole lot faster than I can run and shoot a whole lot fa- better than I can shoot if you're going to play for the Conway Wampus Cats. And I'll never f- forget the first time I went to the bulletin board by the coach's office and my name wasn't on the list. I had missed the cut. Devastated. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that missed the cut. You didn't get the job. Well, maybe in that, God would use that as an opportunity for you to live out in front of some other people. You know what? My identity doesn't come from my job title. My identity doesn't come from what team I play for or what position I play or whether I start or whether I don't. My identity doesn't come from that. Maybe there's some people around you right now that needs to see your identity comes from Christ your identity is child of the king your identity isn't a job title or a degree or whatever team you play on your identity is not on those things and maybe somebody around you would see that and go boy there's something odd about that their identity is in Christ maybe you didn't get the raise that you thought you should get Maybe you don't make the kind of money that you think you ought to be making. Well, maybe you give that situation and that circumstance to God. Maybe God is just wanting to teach you right now that things that really matter are not about money and stuff. And He's just wanting to teach you through this situation or through this circumstance how to be content with what you do have. Folks, Paul was in chains. Paul was in jail, but he was still looking for what God was doing. He was still looking for what God wanted to do in and through this horrible situation that he found himself in. I love it. Paul saw every setback as a setup for God. 
What if we viewed life like that? That every setback was just a setup so that people could see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What if we saw our circumstances the way that Paul saw his? So for all of us, in whatever circumstance you may find yourself in today, there is a way to obey Jesus and there is a way to put him first in and through that. So Paul's first point of his conclusion here was, you know, pray for me that he'd be able to make Jesus and his kingdom first and everything in his life, you know, wisdom for his assignment, wisdom for his commission. God would give him new opportunities and that his circumstances would not be wasted. Can I ask you this morning before we move on, does this look like your prayer life today? Are, are these the things that, that you've been praying for? Because if not, maybe you need to get your phone out right now and add these things to your prayer list. That he would open new doors. That he would give us wisdom and direction to carry out the assignment that he's given us. That he would open the doors and opportunities for you to do his work and to build his kingdom. That you would use your current situation and your circumstances in order to minister to others. And be able to share Jesus with them so that those things aren't wasted. And if you're not praying that way, Paul gives us some great instructions here that I believe would be a great way for us to start praying today if we're not. Now let's move on down to verse 5. Paul continues. He says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. There's a whole series right there in that verse. As I was going through that, I thought, that is so rich. There is so much right there. But for the sake of time this morning, I just want to focus on one thing specifically. Basically, he's saying after you've prayed for clarity and help in these areas, he says, then do this. Act wisely. All right? Live wisely. And acting wisely simply means this. Be aware of how precious your time is. Be aware of the brief moments that you have in life to accomplish your assignment. It's kind of the kind of wisdom the psalmist writes about in Psalm 90 and verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days. So why? So that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. It's also the kind of wisdom that Paul says that David lived with. And oh, by the way, if you don't come on Wednesday nights just because you don't want to, you want to, all right? We're doing a series right now on the life of David. Uh, we've been doing it ever since the first of the year. It's an awesome study about the life of David. Uh, and we're going to be in it for months. And so... Uh, there's so much good there. But, but Paul's preaching about David. We find a sermon that Paul's preaching over in the book of Acts. All right, Acts chapter 13. And he says this in verse 36 about David. He said, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. What's he saying here? When God was finished with David, he went to heaven. Right? That's what I once said about my life when it's over. Wednesday night, for those that were here in the Bible study, I shared with them. I got a lot of weird things in my desk. One of those weird things that I have is my funeral uh, directions. I have there who I want to preach my funeral. I have who I want to read my obituary. 
I have the verses that I want them to preach from. I'm thinking very seriously about writing the sermon just so they don't mess it up. I have written in there my pallbearers. Those are all written in pencil because uh, pallbearers come and go. They die. Some make me mad, and I'm like, "Mm, you're out. But you know what? When we gather for that memorial service, and oh, one other thing, I've got all the songs in there too, and if you come to my memorial service, prepare yourself now. Before you leave there on your way out, they will be playing the song Waiting on a Woman. All right, it's in the directions. If they don't, I will come back and haunt them. I promised them I would. But I've been waiting on a woman all my life, and so that's, that's how I'm leaving this world. But you know, seriously, what I once said about my life at my memorial service and my funeral is that right there. And when it's over, they can say, He fulfilled His purpose, and then He went to be with Jesus. But the question is, are we living our lives under that kind of wisdom? Are we living our lives under that sense of direction? You know, and I'm in a hospital almost every single week, sometimes multiple times in a week. I preach way more funerals than I do weddings. Folks, I understand how fragile life can be I get that Paul's saying don't miss this it's wise that you understand that it's wise that you realize life is like a vapor right and to understand how precious the few moments that we've been given here on this earth and in our circumstance how precious those opportunities are Because they're so very limited in this short life. And listen, I know if you're here this morning and and you're young, it seems like life is going to go on forever. I remember thinking that. Boy, was I dumb. (laughs) Flies by. It absolutely flies by. There's a famous poem that was written by a missionary. His name's C.T. Studd. He says this, Only... One life to live will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Friends, last time I checked, death rate in America was still one for one. Everyone that's born dies. And I can tell you it goes by so very fast. Other night, Lynette and I were watching TV. Uh, Yeah, your preacher has a TV in his house. Uh, God's not finished with me yet, all right? We watch NCIS. Anybody else? Oh, man, love that show. So we record them because we get behind. We're not home a lot, so we record them on the DVR. So this past week, we were catching up on our NCISs, and we were sitting there watching it, and this guy came on the screen, this old man, came on the screen, and I'm sitting here going, you know, I know that guy. Where did I know that guy from? And then it hit me, and I look at Lynette, and I said, Lynette, is that Bobby Ewing? And we sat there and watched it for a little bit, and we were like, that is Bobby Ewing. You know, can you believe we, you, we had to watch it for a few minutes to figure out who, that it was Bobby. And for you young people here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you don't have a clue. 
right? I think his real name's Patrick Duff, Duffy. Is that right? That was his real name? But man, Bobby Ewing. I mean, that dude was a heartthrob, wasn't he? Uh, not my heartthrob, but I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was a studly, good-looking guy, young guy, actor. On, on, he was on a pop for you young people. I've got to help you out. He, you may have to Google it. He was a really popular actor on this show called Dallas, okay? And everybody in the whole wide world watched Dallas, right? Every Friday night. And we didn't have DVRs back then. We watched it on Friday nights. And I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm going, you know, here he is now. I'm looking at this guy on TV that I barely recognize. You know, and it hit me. The same amount of years that's passed for Bobby has passed for me. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm not going to be young and beautiful from now on, you know? <laughs> Lynette's like, that ship has already sailed, hasn't it? <laughs> Prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he talks about that our life is like um, riding in the sand and the wave comes in. And basically, that, that's what, how he explains our life. Some of you have done that. Some of you have been to the beach and you wrote stuff in the sand or dug a hole in the sand or whatever and the tide came in and, and, and then it was gone. Folks, only one life to live. And it will soon be passed. And only what you've done for Christ is what will last. We talked about this last week, but there are only two things in life that are going to last forever. That's the kingdom of God and the souls of men. That's the only two things that are going to last for eternity. That's what Paul means here when he says, Be wise. Act wisely. Live wisely. And by him telling us that means to me this. If he's telling us to be wise, then there obviously is a side to that where we could not be wise. I mean, if he's telling us to be wise, doesn't it make sense there's a way not to live wisely? In other words, there's a way to live that's foolish. And it's foolish to live your life not taking eternity into account it's foolish to live your life not investing in things that are going to last forever that's not wise it's not wise to spend your life climbing the ladder of success only to get to the end and you realize you had your ladder leaned up against the wrong building the whole time it's foolish it's not wise to spend all your time, your talents, and your treasures to be comfortable in this life when this life is so temporary. And then to enter into eternity with absolutely nothing. Paul said, be wise. Act wisely. Live wisely. As if you know there are only two things that are going to last forever. And that's the kingdom of God and your soul.
And finally, I want to go back up to verse 2 where Paul says again, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, all right? Being watchful and thankful. Uh, again, he, he's elaborating here on how to pray, but don't miss this. He says, pray, act wisely while doing what? Being watchful. Paul says, stay alert. This is so important. He says, stay alert. Think about it. As much as Paul has accomplished, he was always watchful and always looking for what God wanted to do next. See, he was always looking for what God wanted to do next. And so you and I need to be sure. I believe the advice to, to you and I today here is that you and I need to be real careful that we don't ever put a period where God intended for there to be a comma. He'll put the period at the end when they close the lid on that casket. Don't you put a period where God has put a comma. Paul knew that God wasn't done. How did Paul know that? He still had breath in his lungs. So he knew God wasn't done. Paul knew this. Jesus still cared about the one who was wandering and lost. Greenbrier Nazarene, God's done some cool things here. He's done some amazing things right here on this piece of ground. He's not done. Last, I, well, best I can tell, looking out of uh, some of you, I'm not real sure about, but it looks like most of you are breathing. And if you're breathing, he's saying, look for opportunities. Be alert. We've got new people moving into our community every week. New families need to be ministered to. New children to dedicate, teach, baptize. We've got a whole city, a whole community around us that needs to be transformed by the love of Christ. It's an assignment that you and I have been given. A few weeks ago, we talked about the extraordinary faith of those who came before us on this piece of ground right here. We talked about that those who drink the water must remember those who dug the well. But the faith and sacrifice of those people that came to this piece of ground and put up a tent to have the first service 115 years ago the faith and sacrifice of the commitment that built the old rock church the faith and the commitment and the sacrifice of those that built the sanctuary over here to the north folks their sacrifice and their faith and their commitment is not enough to take us where God would have us to go in the days ahead. It's time for us. Can I be personal this morning because I love you, I'm your pastor? It's time for you to sacrifice. It's time for you to be available. It's time for you to dig a well. 
It's time for us to listen to the voice of Jesus. It's time for us to hear our assignment and accept that assignment, be faithful in that assignment, and be committed to that assignment. It's time for us to put Jesus first. I told you a few weeks ago that I look back with a lot of love on that little group of people that were gathered over in that sanctuary when Lynette and I came here 20 plus years ago. Man, I love those people. And I look back on them and at them with great admiration for those people. Because folks, they were people of prayer. They were people who lived their lives wisely. That they were people who stayed alert. And they were watching for the next opportunity, the next thing that God wanted to do in and through their lives. And there's a few of us still around here today. As a matter of fact, this might be awkward. If you were here 20 plus years ago when we were over there in that old sanctuary, that green carpet that we were so proud of then, (laughs) so ugly. Would you stand this morning? Would you join me in thanking them for their sacrifice? You can be seated. That's dedication. So the question today is this, will we be dedicated? Will we be faithful? Will we be people of prayer? Will we live our lives wisely? Will we be alert and watching for what God wants to do next in and through us? Will we, will this generation, will we offer ourselves to God And will we dig new wells? Will we put Jesus first? And will we offer ourselves totally and sacrificially to His work and His will and what He wants to do next here on this piece of ground? Folks, He's still going after the one that's lost. That has not changed. So church, it's time for us to put Jesus first in all things. And allow Him to use us to focus on what is eternal. Not things that are so very temporary in this world. And what is eternal is building the kingdom of God. And leading men, women, and children to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And again, I ask you to join me with great faith, great sacrifice, commitment, and dedication as we put Jesus first in 2020 and we dig some new wells. And this morning we're going to close with a time of prayer. And our altar's open. It's always open. You can come and pray anytime. But maybe this morning you would just like to come and 
nail down that commitment. Maybe this morning you would like to come and put a shovel in the ground right here and say, I'm willing, I'm available to dig those wells so that those who come behind us will have found us faithful and people who live wisely. Maybe there's a situation in your life this morning that you just want to bring to the Lord. That situation or that circumstance that is bad and not pleasant, maybe painful. You just bring that to the altar this morning and say, God, I'm in it. What do you want to do in it? What do you want to do in this mess? Because I'm giving it to you. So as we close together in prayer this morning, maybe you would like to come. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Man, that's the first step. That's the first step because let me tell you something. Your soul is the only thing that's going to last forever. And it's going to spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or hell. You get to make the choice. God gives you the freedom and the ability to make that choice. And if you've never accepted Him today and you would like to do that, you can come to this altar as well. There's going to be several people that are coming to pray. Y'all go ahead. The ones that already know you're coming to pray, you come pray. You're not going to feel out of place by coming and making a move to this altar to dedicate your life to Him. Some of you need to come put a shovel on the ground up here today. This morning, as the body of Christ, let's join together as we approach God's throne room as we close this service. If you'd like to come, please come. God, again, you're so good to us. These last few weeks have been absolutely incredible as we've been reminded from a letter that was written 2,000 years ago. A letter that you and the Apostle Paul, you knew what was going on in the church there and you knew that you weren't first in all things and so... You had Paul write him this letter to be read to the church to address it. Not as a way to beat them up, but a way to encourage them, a way to challenge them. And God, here we are 2,000 years later, and this letter is even more relevant for us today than it was them because we have so many more distractions in our life that would keep us from putting you first. And so, God, today I thank, I thank you for these last few weeks as we've gone through this, this letter of encouragement. That's what it's been. It's been a huge encouragement to me. Yeah, sometimes the encouragement hurts a little bit because sometimes we get encouraged to do things that we're not doing. And we don't necessarily like that, but it's necessary. So, God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the encouragement. I thank you for the challenge. You've been crystal clear about what you wanted to speak into every one of our lives individually and as the church and the body of Christ. It's up to us now to respond to that. And God, every single one of us know that we can't dig the well alone. We can't dig the well in our own strength. But God, that's not an excuse because you sent us some help. You sent us a helper through the Holy Spirit.
that would help us with whatever it is that we need in order to accomplish what you've called us to do. God, you've sent some great help here in the body of Christ. There are some of these people that are fully committed, sacrificial, obedient, available. And God, it it makes it so much easier to work alongside those people as we dig new wells for those that will follow us. The Cohens and all the other little babies. God, I pray that we would leave them a legacy as rich as the legacy that we've been handed. I pray they would look back on us with love and admiration and that they could say we were people of prayer and we were people who lived our lives wisely remembering and knowing how short this life is. God, as your church, we we represent you. We are you. We're the body of you out in this community and everywhere we go when we leave this place. Find us faithful. Find us available. Find us putting you first so that others would see you because, Lord, there's still the one out there that's lost. And we may be the only one that is in a situation or a place to where we can share Jesus with that person. So thank you for reminding us today of what our assignment is, what our commission is, that we would go and make disciples. Not that we would just hang out here and let the other people do it, but that we would go and make disciples. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your hope. I pray for these that have come to these altars today. If someone's here today that needs to make a commitment to you, I pray they would do that they would, and they would make it known that they're surrendering their life to you and then take the next step of baptism. God, I pray for these that have brought their circumstances and their situations to you. Some of them are heavy loads they've been carrying. And I pray that as they get up from this altar today, they will be relieved because they have given that to you and given it to you as an opportunity that you would receive glory and advance your kingdom and your gospel. I continue to pray for these other churches in this community. It's not just us. Thank you, Jesus. It's not just us that's fighting this fight, that's doing this work, that's accepted this assignment. There are some great churches with some great people, great pastors, great congregations. And God, they're praying and desiring the same thing in their hearts and in their churches that we want here. And that's that the one that is lost would be found. And so, God, I pray that you'd give them everything they need to be able to complete their assignment and their commission there in their church. And that we'd understand we're all working together to build the kingdom of God. It's not us and them. It's just us, the body of Christ. So help them as well. God, as we go out from this place, We're a reflection of you. We are daddy's child. And I pray that people would see the resemblance in our lives. They would see our father. His love. His grace being extended to a world that needs to see all those things. And we love you today. And we thank you for the opportunity to represent you. And the opportunity to serve you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things today. Amen.
I love you guys.